2024 is the year of podcasts, and we want to let you know about a brand new show that is live right now. Join with me to share the good news about the Worthy of Everything podcast. It's just one of the two hosts, Jaja Lasso. Jaja, you've been working on this podcast in the background. Our team has been very excited as we've been preparing for its launch. How does it feel to know that the episodes finally are out there and we're moving forward every single week? It is so exciting and I am just excited to see where God takes it and I have so much hope that it is going to be an incredible blessing to the listeners. Amen, amen. But as I understand it, this is a show tackling the issues of mental health through the lens of the gospel. Can you share just a little bit more about the heart and the intent and who you're really trying to serve through the Worthy of Everything podcast? So I personally was freed from depression and as I've come to understand my freedom from sin and identity in Christ, I start to recognize all these amazing gifts that God has given us. So yeah, just exploring and hearing awesome testimonies about how to walk out true intimacy with a loving father who pursues his kids. Oh man, sounds like a good time. If you want to check out the show, lovereality.org slash podcasts and look for the Worthy of Everything show. The world doesn't think that the gospel can change your life, but we know that it can. And that's why we want you to hear these stories, stories of transformation, stories of freedom, people getting free from sin and healed from sin because of Jesus. This is Death to Life. I think I was frustrated because I, I think I started believing the lie that like Serena got a husband because hmm. she was better than me. Because I was like, she's been so good for so long and waited for four years praying for her husband. So of course she got a husband. <laughs> and I was still struggling with behavior here and there and had been so off the path for so long. I was like, I'm definitely not going to get that. And, and being having that first row seat to that was so beautiful. But also, I think it just opened up a way for a saint to be like, but that's not for you. Yo, welcome to the Death to Life podcast. My name is Richard Young, and today's episode is with my sister Emily Ann. And man, Emily Ann, oh man, what a story. I think this is one of the first ones of someone who was rocking with freedom, and then the enemy, well, he lied, and she listened for a while. And I don't want to to uh spoiler alert it but this is a powerful powerful testimony and you're gonna love it and emily han emily ann has the most incredible heart of all time so uh buckle up and strap in for emily ann love y'all appreciate y'all how you feeling pretty good i just i got up at seven and i went on a walk so i'm awake so you're awake. <laughs> How many have you listened to a few episodes of the Death Life podcast? Oh yeah. I've listened to a lot of them. What episode stands out in your mind? I think the one that impacted me the most over the years is probably Joyce and Will's story. Hmm. Their like their love story. I think that was like it was great listening to both of them, but then hearing how they got together was really impactful. What was it about that or their story? 
I think it was mostly just their faith and I think their steadfastness and the way they left their love story in God's hands. I think that was just really impactful back in the day when I first heard it. Also, Nicholas's was good. It was a really short one, but it was like good about, I think it was about validation and mm-hmm. kind of affirmation and stuff like that. You know, these were like, this is like when you had only a few out. You've been, and you were, I think, a key for Lorraine receiving this. Lorraine, you, <laughs> yeah. like, yo, well, actually, don't tell me, you got to tell me when yeah. we get into the story. But I think your story, uh, you were on from Jump Street. Were you on the Friday nights with Nicholas and all them all the time? Yeah, 2020. Yeah, I'm excited to hear this story. So where do you feel like your story starts when it comes to like spiritual life or, or, or who God was in your life? Where do you feel like it starts? I feel like it starts from the beginning because I grew up with very religious parents. I was a pastor's kid. And so, yeah, my my, my parents were in the faith. My mom grew up in as a Christian. My dad, well, not so much, but came to church in his late 20s and then they (laughs) hooked up my mom and my dad they're like here's a good woman and here's a new man that's come to church and then I was came a few years later so I feel like I grew up in the church with a strong religious background so I don't really remember anything the way I felt really but I just remember that religion was very much part of our lives. Because I was trying to remember if I had any personal feelings about it, but it was really more of a structured rule following, do this, don't do this, don't do this kind of thing. And I didn't really put a lot more meaning and meaning to it growing up. So we, my dad was a pastor when I was in second grade. But yeah, before that, I was in Christian education. We moved out to Iowa to, to take our my dad's pastoral role. But as far as what I thought about God, I don't really think I thought about it too much. I was just following the rules, making sure sure I was a good kid. Your dad came to Christianity in his late 20s and then became a pastor. So it was like like a takeover of his life kind of thing. Yeah, it was like drug dealer to pastor kind of thing. It was crazy. (laughs) And your mom had always been a Christian. Yeah, so she was a teacher. She went to Glaw, what was called Cedar Lake. She was super sheltered, and then she fell in love with my dad, who was super non-sheltered. But yeah, and so he kind of, you know, he kind of took that sharp change in his life, and he became really intense. <laughs> he's devout. <laughs> Is he still a pastor? No, he's not, but he's very involved in the church. And my mom's still a teacher in Adventist education. So you grew up pretty, I don't know what better word to use, so I'm going to use strict. Was it a strict? Yeah. Strict and sheltered. Very, just very rules focused, at least from my perspective. I had a great childhood. There's nothing I can really complain about as far as I have good parents. They're very sincere people and have good hearts. But yeah, I was just very rules focused and I quickly became a perfectionist. I quickly became a performance kid I got like a b plus in second grade in my math and I cried <laughs> like I as, was as you should have <laughs> how dare you get a b right plus. so yeah but I mean I remember sitting in church we had two churches one they were hour apart and I just remember being in church a lot 
and coloring my little precious moments coloring books, <laughs> playing with my little felts, and counting how many times my one of the elders would say a certain word or how long the prayers were. <laughs> it's just little games we would play. But I was in church a lot and was involved in music a lot as a pastor's kid. They were always like, you should play your violin. You should sing. Uh, so a lot of pressure to be involved, look good. My brother was really bad behavior since toddler on. And I think there was a lot of pressure on me to be good, be like to be well behaved because he was taking so much of the mental and emotional energy in the home. And I was like, I'm just going to be good. I'm going to make sure that I don't stress my parents out. <laughs> and that's got me into this performance-based acceptance or just wanting that merit or wanting to stay out of the limelight negatively. I was afraid a little bit because I could see it wasn't going well for my brother. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I think... Yeah, I had a good childhood, and that's there's those types of things made me more performance focused, just along with the the very strict religious rules and shelteredness. So, as you're growing older and you're thinking, or God is something or somebody to you, uh, what did He think about you as you were getting older, maturing, getting to that weird stage where insecurity rules the day? Yeah, who is God? God to me was, I, I guess it was just someone who loved us but wanted us to follow all the rules. Mm -hmm. And if you didn't follow the rules, then you weren't really in. So you'd have to ask for forgiveness to get back in and then try harder. And then, was, you know, kind a of the rule cycle. Was you thought was arbitrary? Or were you like, yeah, all these rules make sense? As a younger kid, I didn't think anything about them, really. I did think it was strange that some of my friends weren't allowed to do bike riding on Sabbath or swim in the lake or something like that. But we weren't as strict as that. Like, we were strict. But it was also a beautiful thing. Like, we had Friday nights. We would do special, like, a special smoothie drink. And we'd have these special cups. Yeah. And we'd have, like, candles. And so it was not a bad thing, right? Like it wasn't a bad experience. And uh oh, we have technical difficulties. So I was a smart kid, so I was doing like very performance based on intellectually. So I was going really hard when it comes to school, but I was the only kid in my class pretty much. There was two other kids, but they weren't interested in going in as fast as I was. So I was super focused on just being really good at school. And outside of that, I was just a tomboy. I was playing with all the older boys at recess. I was playing football. I'm just super active, like in athletically. And I remember even in one of my conferences, my teacher said that I needed to stop like chasing around the boys or I needed to stop letting the boys chase me around. There was some shame put on me about hanging out with the older boys. But um, I pretty much just kept doing all the things I was supposed to do, working 
forward in my school. I like got to jump up many grades in certain t- subjects. My brother, he ended up going to public school because his behavior was not really the behavior that could be in a K through 12 class with one teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he went to public school so he could have more resources. And my mom was a public school teacher at that time because they already had a church school teacher when mm-hmm. we moved there. So I think they were just working on his behavior and trying to figure out what was going on with him. And I was just like, I'm going to be good. I'm going to get be really good at school, going to follow all the rules, going to not get any attention on me unless it's good, positive attention. And then, yeah, I started having crushes on boys. <laughs> there was like only three boys to choose from. <laughs> but... I had a good, I had a good life. I played outside a lot, did gymnastics and let's see, then I know that I got into this crush and I remember we emailed or something back then. I don't know what we were doing, AOL or email. And my parents found emails and this probably was more like fifth grade, right? And they were upset. I think it was probably just, we should hold hands. And I remember they were so upset. So that was a big issue. So my crush was a problem. So that, and I felt like they put a lot of like, no, no, no on me. Not probably more, it was very more shame and guilt kind of thing. We don't do that. That was a tough spot for me as a fifth grader. But then we moved back to Michigan And uh, my dad went to school. My mom got a job at Village. And that's where I got my friends and everything there. Finally stayed in one place for a longer time. Because before that, we had been moving around all over Michigan through growing up. So sixth grade, get to a new school, have no friends. The only person I kind of knew was Serena because our moms had known each other in college. They were college roommates. But Serena was in a different grade than me and... I didn't really know her that that well anymore. That's when I started getting involved in leadership Mm -hmm. kind of stuff because it was the thing. Like you played an instrument and you got involved in praise and you got uh, involved in sports. That's when I started playing basketball. But yeah, I was at this point, I was like highly competitive, highly independent. I don't really think my parents... They thought that I was doing really good on paper. And so they just let me do what I wanted to do as long as I was getting good grades. (laughs) They were like, okay. And I think it's because they were so distracted by my brother who, you know, they were diagnosing with like ADHD and he was getting in trouble all the time. And it was taking up a lot of their attention. And I looked like I was doing great. And I probably was. I was getting good grades and everything was going well, but I think in looking back, it's, I was just developing an addiction to performance and perfection sure. and just that constant cycle. But yeah, I was super competitive and yeah, just crushing on boys, not really thinking too much about God, just was like following the rules. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and got involved in spelling bees and all the things. So I, I feel like I was doing good and feeling good. And I thought I was just a normal kid that liked boys. High school was when I feel like it got a little different. So what happened in high school? I think in high school, I just 
realized I didn't want to follow the rules. <laughs> so now, when I did that, that hit you? When were you like, these are trash? <laughs> like, when did that hit you? Yeah, I think in high school, just up until then, I was just, I was sheltered and the rules were so good. And we had a great family upbringing with all the rules and everything. But then I started seeing other kids and what they were doing and they weren't following the rules as much. I think I just got exposed to a different way of life. And I think because I didn't have a really solid personal, like I didn't have a, like God was not personal to me growing up. It was just like a religion that I was supposed to follow to stay in this club. So in high school, I was like a leader and involved in things. And I was um, one of the only two freshmen to get on the basketball team. And so I thought I was cool. <laughs> I was like, I've arrived, all my hard work. And, and it was going well. I had, at that point, I had gotten stronger in the rules a little bit before it took a turn. Like I went way into the rules. Like I was reading, I kissed dating goodbye. I was like besties <laughs> with one of the pastor's daughter. And we were like making all these promises to God and signing these contracts. If I will never kiss somebody before I get married, like going in. So, and, and if it was good, she was my best friend at that point. And we were on the same page and I was highlighting that book. Like it was the Bible. And <laughs> yeah, and, and for me, it was just like the rules, right? At eighth grade, and still in the rules. Freshman year, I'm still thinking about, okay, the rules. Now I'm starting, even though I was crushing on, on boys and stuff, I was always going crazy. I still wanted to follow the rules. So that hmm. book was just more rules and more regimen. And then... When, uh, when did the rules stop becoming appealing to you? Basically that year. So I went so far reading that book and making all these promises. And then through basketball, we had a girls team and a guys team. And since I was the young, youngest player on the team, I was around a lot of older seniors and everything. But the boy that I ended up liking was not in our school. He was from like a different town. And so basically that's when it switched. I had this older guy in my life that was liking me. I was 15. He was 18 or maybe almost 18. And then literally I was like, I did not want to follow the rules. I was like, goodbye. <laughs> Five rules. I don't know. Like it was so drastic from, I remember making all those commitments and reading that book to boom, like I met this guy. And next thing you know, I'm like, doing all the things that I kissed dating goodbye, I said I would never do. So yeah, so that was the end of freshman year. I was, like I said, I was busy. I was playing sports. I was in leadership. I was still doing praise team stuff. But then this guy walks into my life and he has a car and he's not from here. And I started lying and I would say I was going to Vespers. My dad would drop me off and I would really be in the football field making out. <laughs> and then I would be like getting a Cinemelt at McDonald's and going to one of these random rooms on campus and just like eating my Cinemelt with this guy and kissing like in a prayer room or something on campus. It was terrible. <laughs> like wild. So we were just adventuring around getting into trouble. But 
yeah, I just didn't care about the roles at that point. Cause I, for me, I think it was just, this seems so much more attractive and then trying all the time to try to follow all these things for, and I just don't think I really understood why I was doing it. And I thought if I'm going to do all this and still not measure up or still question if I'm in or be in and out based off of my performance, then it's not really worth caring about. Hmm. And I'd rather just have fun and just cross my fingers and hope it goes okay (laughs) because there was no personal relationship. So yeah, freshman year ended up, I didn't, we didn't have sex, but we did all the other stuff that you could Mm -hmm. do mostly, but because you couldn't have sex before marriage. Can't do that. (laughs) Cannot do that. (laughs) That is like the ultimate downhill. You are done. You are, it's over for you. You lose a part of yourself. Cause I had read those books and those books were like, if you do that, you're giving a part of yourself away that you will never get back and you are going to be incomplete forever. So I was like, we can't do that. So yeah, freshman year, um, just, yeah, wiling out. I was talking about this on a previous podcast. Sexual immorality is bad because it's, it hurts us. It's a sin against our own yeah. body. Like we, we just become attached to somebody that we're not in covenant with. And then if one a person walks away, like you take the heartache and pain and then you just multiply it several times. But the way purity culture tried to stop it, it, it was like the scared straight. Like we're going to scare you from doing this thing. But what it did, it had opposite effects uh, because then when the guilt, shame, and condemnation comes in, it's too much to bear. Yeah. And people just bounce. They're just like, I can't deal with this. And this is coming from the way I've grown up or the way I've thought about it. And so, uh, yeah, not great. Right. Not great. No. Yeah. Cause it definitely felt, cause once I was exposed to those feelings of somebody liking me and wanting me and, honestly, just like this secret rebellion that I never had before, right? Because <laughs> I was right. following all the rules. Um, those feelings felt so much more exciting than my commitment to the rules. Like the rules were just like, why would I do that when I can have this? Sure. You know? Um, and the, around that same time, my mom was going through different like like seasonal depression and she had that struggle for a while but it was to the point where she <clears throat> was not teaching anymore and it was an abrupt thing so she wasn't teaching anymore so that meant that I could not go to the academy anymore so they chose to put me into public school so I went from the academy which was like kumbaya <laughs> everybody loves each other to public school and I'd never been in public school in my entire life. That was pretty rough. The girls were mean, like I was the new girl and it was tough. So the only person I knew was one of the basketball players from my Andrews team. And so we would walk together from public school to Andrews Academy to go to our practices. So we just became friends and we were already friends because I was, we were on the basketball team. 
So I started crushing on him. (laughs) And it was like the only person I knew in public school. So I'd sit with him and his friends. And he had been in that town for a long time. So he had a lot of friends. And so I would sit with him and his friends. The girls didn't like me because I was hanging out with all the boys. They were the only people I knew. And the girls were mean. So it was just, it didn't start off well. So I only did one semester there. And then started taking all my classes online. Um, And took my other classes at the college because they offered that ability to take uh, college courses. So I just took as many college courses as I could and took all my high school classes online. And so I was never actually in the building past mid-sophomore year, but which was drastically different from where my experience at Andrews Academy, where I was like the president and involved in things and Mm. confident and excited. And um, it literally just shook me. And I was like, introverted, quiet, scared to death to go to school. I would literally listen to Lil Wayne rap songs to get me through the hallways. <laughs> Mercy. Like, ludicrous was the answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, but ludicrous Lil Wayne. I had all these hype people on my iPod that were helping me get through like the struggles of that year. But anyways, I'm barely home at this point. As soon as I turned 16, like I got, I had a car, but we also lived really far away. So I was barely ever home because once I was in town, I wasn't going home until it was yeah. time to be home for the whole night. And we didn't have internet. So I was like, definitely barely ever home. My mom had whatever her mental health stuff that was being focused on for her and my dad and my brother. So I was just like, peace out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, go be independent. And to be honest, I got great grades. I was taking all those college classes. I was super involved in basketball. I had a job at 14. I was a bagger at 14, a cashier at 16. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it was going okay. Ended up crushing on that guy. Um, ended up dating him from 16 to 21, actually. And, yeah, like, it was basically the cycle of working, basketball, having a boyfriend, and pretending that I wasn't doing anything wrong with my boyfriend. <laughs> And lying to my parents and coming home late at night saying it's because I didn't have internet at home. So I needed to study and do my online classes. And I would really just be like in his room in the basement and we'd be like watching Netflix <laughs> or he'd be watching anime and I'd be doing my online class. And yeah, and we ended up yeah getting being intimate, young, like 16 and a half or something for me. And so basically the rest of my high school, I was just focused on this guy. I joined the track team because he was on the track team. (laughs) I was at his house more than I was at my house. His mom had a baby when we were that age. And so like he was, had a lot of leadership in his house. His dad wasn't around. So he had three siblings. So we were just there a lot. I was around that. So my whole life basically became about him and his friends. I had one good friend though. Serena Wineland. <laughs> Serena Wineland, shout out. She's yeah. She's the best. She was my bestie. Once we started playing basketball, right, we became tight, and mm-hmm. we were not alike at all. I don't even know how she stayed my friend, to be honest, because we were not alike. She was super into her faith, super strong in her Jesus walk, and I was super not. I was like, peace out, going to be go boy crazy. But she still loved me. She still stayed my friend. Did you guys, did you and her talk about, it feels like, Besides this guy, it's a pretty lonely experience for you, just how you're describing it. 
were you able to talk about some of this stuff like processing like what's going on and the decisions that you're making or were obviously you thought the decisions you were making were the right decisions or you wouldn't be making them how did you deal with all that stuff I didn't think they were the right decisions. I think they just felt right because I was probably like feeling lonely or just, yeah, I was just doing whatever felt right for me um, at that time. But I didn't think too much of it. I just was like, this is too hard to do the right thing or to do what God wants me to do. This is So I'm going to just keep doing whatever I want to do. I didn't really feel guilty about it. Uh, I don't think, I don't remember feeling bad about it. I felt like this was my person and I was going to be this person forever. (laughs) So I was like, who cares? But yeah, I don't remember having dialogue about it with Serena. Serena was always just super loving friend. She loved, like she was good friends with this guy too. So she was like coming over when I was over there and hanging out with us and we would do things together because he was really into basketball. She was really into basketball. I was really into basketball. Like he would help train her in the summers and things like that. And yeah, I don't think there was anything going on in my head about like processing the decisions. I was just doing the best I could to like be a high achiever in all areas. And I, I feel like I even thought my boyfriend was like me high achieving in a way because he was really popular. He was like really tall, like really fit and really wanted by other people. And so I was like high achieving in everything, <laughs> competitive competition. Mm-hmm. I think I felt proud of myself, like that I was so independent and so well achieving. Yeah. So yeah. What happened? And, um, then we ended up breaking up like a couple of years in, that was really hard for me. I felt like I lost all my friends because all my friends were his friends, except Serena, <laughs> mm-hmm. which she was his friend too, but I still had her. But at that point I was, yeah, I was just a wreck. So that was a terrible summer. I ended up getting involved with one of his best friends and it was just terrible. We got in a big fight on my birthday. <laughs> he dumped me. <laughs> so <laughs> that was my 21st birthday. But then from there, it went downhill. So I went from having a boyfriend and my whole life being about my boyfriend for four and a half years, five years, to not having a boyfriend, being at a university, public university, being 21, being able to do whatever I want, which I was already doing, (laughs) but now I was 21, so I had more access to do whatever I want and started going out downtown and started making friends and I realized that, oh, people do like me because I think I was super confident freshman year. And then once I started finding all my validation and affirmation in boys and relationships, I literally lost all of my confidence of thinking I was like a pretty person or an attractive person or that anybody would really even want me. And that's what I think why I held on to that relationship so tight because I was just, that was all I had as far as in my little teenage brain. Yeah, I was in, there were points of that relationship that was not good for my self-image. I had a pretty bad self-image at that point. So (laughs) I started seeking validation because I was like, oh my gosh, people like me, like boys like me in the real world. It's like I was in a city 
and um, going out and drinking. Yeah, it was got a little crazy. And I worked at a restaurant downtown and we got in that restaurant going out after work and sleeping all day kind of thing. And mm-hmm. I was still doing well in school, but I was definitely in that party lifestyle as far as going out with my friends. So I ended up at that point, I had already, you know, been being like having sex with that boyfriend for five years. So I just ended up continuing that behavior with all these other people that I would meet. And I think the issue was that is that I felt like sexual anything was attached to my worth. Yeah. So it kind of makes me sad now, but it's okay. I don't want to cry because it's literally done. (laughs) (laughs) No, but that we end up getting worth from what we feel like we can offer. And if we offer this, then I'm acceptable. Then I'm loved. And we so desperately want to be loved and we want to be enough. And so this is what I can offer. And it just ends up how we operate because we want to be loved. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I totally wanted to be loved and I felt like I was abandoned from that relationship. Yeah. I just got in the cycle of going out, looking for the cutest guy that I could find in the bar and then going in. I was like, I'm going to talk to this guy. I'm going to give him my number and I'm going to either go home with him or he's going to go home with me. And that just became the kind of like the norm for that year, maybe the rest of that year. And I didn't have any good Christian people around me. (laughs) Let's just say that. Was God still, was he just compartmentalized? Was he still in there somewhere or was he just not even, you're not even dealing with who he is? Yeah, I don't think I wasn't concerned about God at all. (laughs) I was, after that breakup, I feel like that person became a god or an idol to me in in some way. So that's like really all I cared about. And then after that breakup, I was like so lost. Like it just went spiraled into this cycle of sleeping around. And there'd be even times I remember I would go out. And if I didn't have somebody like interested in me or going to some after party or sleeping with somebody, or being involved with somebody in some way, I felt like I was a failure that night. I felt like, I I don't know, just, it felt like a big deal to me. So I would have these flings and stuff that some of them would last longer, right? If I wasn't with somebody, actively with somebody, or being pursued by somebody, or being validated by somebody, like, I felt depressed. Like, my life sucked. (laughs) My my buddy who used to work at a bar would describe this thing that happens at the end of the night, depending on what time the bar closes, if it closes at one or two or something. And it's this moment where the lights come on and everyone's, Hey, it's over. Right. And he says, when the lights come on, there's a mad scramble. And the (laughs) scramble is to find somebody to leave with. And he described it. Most of the people, you know, they're pretty drunk by then, but he said it was so sad to see people just running around trying to figure out like, oh, who is going to, you know, who can I be with? Who can I be with? Who can I be with? And as you're describing this situation, like there was so much on the line for you 
If I don't go home with someone, I'm a failure. Yeah, so I would definitely solidify my plan as early in the night as possible. <laughs> like I had the, these guys that I knew would be at these places that I had been involved with. And I'd make sure I was knew where I was going as soon as possible. So yeah, it was very, it was calculated for sure. And I was also started smoking weed, which I had never done before. I thought I would never do that. But after that breakup, I was just, I think I was just open to whatever numbing I could have. So I started doing that a little bit, but it was never on my own. It was always with other people. I just started saying yes to more and more things, right? Sure. Why not? Why not? Yeah. That continued probably for about a year and I ended up feeling pretty broken. And honestly, I didn't want to date these guys. It was, I was still in love with that ex at this point I was just like I don't want to date anybody I want to get back at the male race or whatever for screwing me over and I was just like I was hardcore I was like don't want you don't want you even if a guy really was interested in me for more than just superficial surface level kind of stuff I didn't want it I was like nope I'm in my phase of life where I'm having fun and I'm doing whatever I want. I don't want to be tied down to anybody, you know, and I'm not going to get connected to these people. I'm going to just have fun and live my best life. But yeah, no, there was no Christian friends. I was not going to church. I had no desire to do any of those things. I like Christian or faith things. I was still really good at school, still working a lot, doing all the things, but also being crazy. And yeah, no interest. I was like, God, I'm going to do this without you. It's going to be fine. I got me like nobody else really has me. So I got me. So I'm going to keep doing it on my own. And uh, yeah, it, it didn't really change from that for probably about 10 years. <laughs> from 18 to 27, I was pretty much in that. I'm independent. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to make the choices whatever. I don't need God. I don't want God. It's too hard to be in and out. I never know if I'm secure. And I didn't think I could ever be secure in salvation. That was crazy because my performance was never going to be good enough to be secure in my salvation. I was never going to be good enough long enough to be able to be in. Because mm. I like at that point, I had so many cycles of bad behavior. I was like, I am far too gone. I was not supposed to have sex before marriage. I've had a lot of sex. Like, I knew that I was done for. I was still friends with Serena, but we were never really in the same place again. We stayed up. We would see each other maybe once a year around the holidays. Sure. And she would talk about Jesus, and I'd be like, cool, you've been doing this forever. Glad it's working <laughs> out for you. <laughs> I'm good. But, yeah, I'm trying to think of where to go next, because after college, I ended up, da I ended up dating somebody moved in with him. He had a kid. We lived in like the ghetto. My car blew up. There was a lot of crazy stuff that happened. But So you were living your best life while not living your best life, but you thought you were living your best life. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was Yeah, I was doing it from I was doing it on my own and I was still doing accomplishing enough things and feeling good about myself. I was having enough small wins in areas that I thought were important to think like, I'm doing good. Like I lived with my roommates. I had 
you know, cool friends that I could go to concerts with. I had a good job that, you know, made me good money. I just had to work on the weekends and I still did really good in school. I was in clubs. Uh, so I was pre-med. So I actually was very studious because I thought I was going to be a doctor. So I was like, I got to make sure I get all the A's and because you can't be a doctor there's this idea that living your best life is doing it independently. Yeah, so that was absolutely me. There's this song that encapsulates that it's called My Way. It got very famous by Frank Sinatra. And yeah. in the song, he's, yeah, I've made mistakes. Yeah, I've had a lot of heartbreak yet. But the reason why I'm the man is because I've done all of this my way. I've done it the way I wanted to do it. So even while there's heartache, pain, breakups, but then there's also some good times. And because you're independent, because nobody else is helping, you're a strong, independent person, then mm -hmm. it's success. Yeah. But it wasn't going well. No. And it wasn't going well now that I'm looking back on it, right? But I think, like you said, in the moment, like in those years, I probably thought I was it was going great. Uh, because there was a lot of things that I was, I was getting validation from. So validation from so many areas and I had a lot of attention. So in my head, I was probably thinking I'm doing real good. And yeah, I was on that whole, I want to do it myself. I don't want God to do it for me because I don't really want to give anybody else the credit. So if, if I'm going to be, get all these good things in life, I want the accolades and I want the merit and I want to get the attention for it. It's almost like one of the first lies of sin or like a root of sin is this idea that our happiness, our joy has to be brought by us. Like we have to do it. Our happiness and joy, and it's on us to do it. And so I must figure it out. And as you're, I was just watching this kid the other day and I think the lie just comes in from Jump Street. Because one of the most important things, and you're a nanny, you might understand this even at a deeper level than I do when my kids are older, but everything has to be done by myself. I did it by myself. Like I, I did it. And so this lie that permeates from the jump is that our happiness, our joy, our success, it, we have to do it apart from anything else. We have to figure it out. Yeah. And it just ends in some sadness. Yeah. And I hurt a lot of people too. That guy that I moved in with, I broke his heart. I definitely was not caring about other people. But I also didn't really, if you look back at my high school, I really didn't care about other people that much. Like yeah. I was hurting my friends. I was like getting involved with like people that my friends had liked and before that relationship. So yeah, it w I was very out for myself, good or bad. Like I needed to be feel good. And however I got that feeling, it, I didn't care who was in, who was, who got destroyed really. I had also been very money motivated. I was doing a lot of side hustles before that. Like in college, I started doing side hustles. I was a romance consultant, which is basically like parties for sexy things. <laughs> so that was how I was making side money. Um, Cause I was like, women empowerment. I'm going to help women be more satisfied with their lives 
and we don't need a man, even though I felt like I needed a man every part of my life, pretty much. So I was side hustling. I met this couple who were really great and they took me under their wing and that kind of pushed me to move out from this situation. And it was actually one of the best things that happened to me in my life. Like I had a couple that was invested in me from financial and emotional like perspective and I, I could run things through them and they were Christians. So I started going to like leadership conferences and reading leadership books and personal growth and development. And you know me, I was a high achiever. So I was like, personal growth and development, all in. Dropped my other side hustles and went in on this whole like network marketing thing. And it was good because these people were Christian. A lot of the talks I listened to every day were faith-based Christian people. So I started hearing all these concepts of just God did it for me. God helped me through blah, 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 God. But I was just like, I'm still going to do it without God. I'm going to be the one who's going to build this business and become a millionaire without God because Mm. I wanted the attention and I wanted the, I didn't want to give any of the credit to someone else. I realized a few years in that that was not going to (laughs) work, but I struggled trying to like find enough commitment and discipline and all the oomph to do all the things I needed to do to be successful. I graduated college, didn't want to go to med school at that time. I'd worked in the hospitals. I didn't think that was, I was committed to that route. I also had this network marketing thing, which I thought I was going to be a millionaire in anyway. So I was like, I'm good. (laughs) I ended up working random jobs, but I stayed in the, the business, built the business a little bit, but never really saw a lot of success from it because I was so struggling with being disciplined enough, being committed enough, doing all the things. And I had really never struggled with that before. Like I was a pretty high performer. So that was tough on me. So I would say then that was around COVID time. I was still getting into relationships with people that weren't working out well for me. I had another relationship that ended up being a guy that was lied to me about everything. And then COVID happened. At this point, I had got out of the corporate world And I had decided what could bring me joy that was a job. And that's when I started nannying because I didn't like the corporate world. So I jumped into nannying. I was nannying a a newborn baby. And then that was the end of 2019. And then 2020 happened. And I was working 60 plus hours a week nannying this one baby. Like me and this baby were tight. And all of a sudden we got even more tight because then I wasn't hanging out with anybody and I was just hanging out with this baby and still trying to build this business. Right. Because that didn't stop. And so let me think then 2020 COVID that's when I started. So that summer 2020 COVID that's when I was in that relationship with a guy I ended up I was thought I was in love with him. It was like six months. COVID it was literally the most isolating time. So we just became super attached. And then I found out he was lying to me about his name, his age, his past. And this was like fall of 2020. And so I basically just had this guy and then this baby that I was nannying. <laughs> and then this guy I found out was a complete liar. And he had reinvented himself, he said, but it was, yeah. So then that was fall 2020 and I was brokenhearted because so the world was right. The world was brokenhearted and I was brokenhearted 
and it was COVID. So Serena had been asking me to get on the Bible study for a while. So she, and, you and her had still been buddies and she yeah, just but, like reaches out randomly and just like, you should come to this thing. And it probably sounds like the least appealing thing at all of, of all time. 100%. 100%. Yeah. We were actually spending like becoming more close. Yeah. But also that's when I met Lorraine spring of 2020 while I'm dating this guy, I met Lorraine, which was crazy because Lorraine called me on a FaceTime call and I had never talked to this girl except one time in college. Uh-huh. I had met her at, at a hot tub thing. We were all hanging out in the hot tub and I didn't like her and she didn't like me. Lorraine? You and, didn't like Lorraine? No. No, what's, I didn't like her. What's not to like? She's the best. She was She was a different person back then. Yeah, right? she was. She was a prude kind of Christian person. And me at the time, I didn't want to be around any Christian prude people. So I didn't like her. But then when she called me on Facebook, I answered. And it was like 9 o'clock at night on a weekday. And she was like, hey, I'm at this bar. Do you want to come hang out? And I said, no, I have to work, work at 6 a.m. tomorrow. And I was like, but we could hang out another time. <laughs> and so we started hanging out and we became besties like real quick. COVID was happening. Was she Things still married started. at the time? No, she had her divorce was not finalized at that time, but she had been separated from him, moved out for a while. So, yeah, COVID was happening. We became besties. For the listener, if you don't know who Lorraine is, go back into season two. I think it is early season two. And her story is wild. It's one of my favorites. Check it out. It's Lorraine. But sorry, keep going. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So we became good friends. It was just nice to have a friend. She lived close by. And yeah, I knew she was more Christian than me. I wasn't Christian at all. I did. At this point, I believed there was a God, but I didn't want any part of it. I I wanted to get the credit, right? But then after that, So me and Lorraine become friends. We're hanging out all the time. COVID's happening. Things are shutting down. We're just spending a ton of time together. Then I had that breakup. Found out that guy was lying about everything. And finally, Serena keeps asking me to come on these Bible studies. And I'm just like, no. But then Lorraine was really more Christian than me. And I was like, she'd probably like this Bible study. And she'd probably like Serena. And I feel like maybe they could all be friends. And I don't really want any part of this. I told Lorraine about it, but I didn't think she would get on unless I got on. I was like, I'm getting on this study. I think you should get on this study. And then I got on because I didn't, yeah, I wanted her to get on and I wanted her to be exposed to whatever Serena was exposed to because Serena seemed to be having a great life. And she seemed happy regardless of her circumstances. And I think there was a little bit of me that was like that too. Like she was pretty well rooted and my life was always like a roller coaster and I was just as good as it was going. Mm -hmm. So there was definitely a pull there where I was like, she has something that I don't have, but I also didn't want to follow the rules like she did. I was like, she's so good. She's so good. She's always been good. There's no way that I could be that way. I'm definitely not as good as her. And I definitely have performed bad in the moral categories. And I knew she had done taking a pretty good moral pathway. I didn't think I was going to be good enough. So I was like, I'll just get on for Lorraine because she seems like she would like this community and she seems like she would like this. So I get on. They were four, four guys in Florida that started this Bible study on what Friday nights. And also Friday night was the night that me and Lorraine would go out. 
it was improbable that we would be available. But things were shutting down probably at that point. So maybe we didn't have anywhere to go. We got on. They started talking about good stuff. Everybody was happy and nice. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Lorraine's going to love this. And But it was it was really cool because people were like liking their lives and having a a good time in this study. And they were, they seemed to be happy. And my experience with the church was not, was just rules and things and following rules. And there wasn't really like a lot of happiness associated with it or joy. So it was really different than Mm. what I had experienced. And I was like, these guys can't be for real. They must be doing bad stuff. But (laughs) I don't know. I just kept coming on because it was intriguing because everyone was talking a little bit differently than the way that I had interpreted my religion. And yeah, I just kept getting on and started asking questions, I think, or maybe I think I just heard you say, are you the righteousness of God in Christ so many times? I was like super scared you were going to ask me, but... (laughs) Did I ever ask you? I don't think so. I think that I ended up, I know that you probably did it a different way. Maybe it wasn't that specific thing because like maybe the Holy Spirit knew that I was like, no, (laughs) but I know that I ended up talking at one point, maybe this was more in December, I think like November, December of 2020. And I ended up asking some questions and I think you and Nicholas and Connor definitely spoke up and Zach. I was just start trying to piece some things together and see if this was real, basically. Um, what do you feel like you were learning? What was the difference? I think the, the main thing that I first noticed was that everybody was confident in, confident in this, whatever this belief was. And they were well-rooted, it seemed. And what I was learning was... I think mostly it must have been the Roman stuff, but it was all identity, just identity and who you are. And that, and at that time I was also starting to watch the love reality waves mm-hmm. at the PVC. Cause I was like, okay, I'll get into this and start watching this stuff. Cause this is actually interesting. And if this is true, if this identity stuff is true that I'm like a daughter of Christ, that I'm righteous, that I'm a new creation, that I get to stand in that confidence and it's not actually about my behavior that saves me and that I'm not in and out and in and out and up and down and that I actually can have a secure salvation. Then I was like, if this is true, I should probably learn about this at least to figure out like where the fault is or if there's like some, there's, I didn't know if it could be true. So I was just going to look into it and kept keep coming to see what else I could learn. You're like, if I really uh, am the righteousness of God in Christ, that's big. <laughs> I was like, that definitely doesn't seem true. But also I was seeing, like I said, Serena's life. And even I was still in this mentorship program and they were doing well and they had relationships with God or some type of Christian faith and they were happy, successful people. Mm-hmm. And so I was, maybe I need to bring God into the picture because I'm not really having that much success in my life right now. I'm like, I didn't have a good job. I had a a good job. A nanny was, is actually a great job, but like, it wasn't what I had planned for my life. Right. So my life didn't go the way I planned. So I was definitely at the point where I'm like, I'm broken. My plan has not gone. I guess I do need a little help. (laughs) Maybe 
this whole self-focused, independent thing is not really that great after all. Because I definitely was so hardcore in that. I was going to do it all for myself. I got to the point where I was like, I kind of want what they have. My mentors, I kind of want what Serena has. Even Lorraine, she was happier than me. (laughs) It seemed more hopeful, right? More hopeful. And so I wanted that hope in my life. And I think that's what kept me going, right? I was like, okay, I feel a little more hope. Maybe I can be in. Maybe. I don't think I can be in because of my performance in the past. But they're saying that I'm righteous. They're saying that I have a new identity or I can have that. They're saying that I'm a daughter of of Christ or a daughter of God. And I was like, this is whack. But, like, it's good. But it sounds really whack. <laughs> like- because you couldn't be in because of your performance. So, that like just trying to balance that out like that can't be true yeah like I've definitely done gone way too far down the rabbit hole of sin and sexual immorality to ever be able to make it back in like I would have to be good for so long think about the last 10 years I would have to be good for 20 to make up for that and I thought that was impossible right I knew I did not think that it was possible for me to be like anything pure for (laughs) any period of time yeah but then you guys were saying that I that it wasn't actually about that and that was really refreshing because my whole life it had been about follow the rules don't mess up you're gonna lose you're gonna lose parts of yourself if you do and you're gonna have to rely on God to give you this forgiveness and I didn't even want to rely on anybody it was radically different than the way that the faith had been presented to me my entire life. And granted, I had a great upbringing, very religious, faith-based upbringing, right? Yeah, radically different. Everybody was super cool. And I thought they were a little weird. I thought it was a little bit much, but it was something I still wanted. It was weird, but it was good. But yeah, so basically that November, December of 2020, I was coming to the Bible studies. I was asking questions here and there. I was talking to Serena about it a little bit, but Serena, I also felt like Serena was just too good. Like I needed somebody who had been through some stuff (laughs) to like, I needed more than like a good story of like good behavior. So I was seeking that validation. Okay. If somebody else got in that did bad stuff, then maybe I could, maybe I could talk to that person. But I just, kept coming and you guys kept saying good stuff. And then Connor called me, I think in January, or we talked on the phone and he walked me through some things. And he, I remember him, he was just saying, stop being so sin focused and just be sun focused. Because the part that was an issue for me, like all this identity stuff and everything was so great and sounded awesome. And I was like, this is great. If this is true. But I was like, but what about my life? That's still full of sin right now that I can't just what wake up tomorrow and just be like completely different person. I didn't think that was possible. And I still had addictions to like different things like drinking. I thought I was addicted to sex too. Like that was where I was finding my worth. Right. So I was like, I can't, what am I going to do? Just not be in relationships forever, not have that behavior. And I also had like different porns in my life that I was now getting addicted to because now I was alone. So now I still needed to have some satisfy myself in a way, like sexually to feel good about myself. So yeah, I didn't think that like my life could look good enough, right, to be able to accept all this truth. And 
I was like, I got to stop doing all these things before I can really accept this truth. But then Connor was like, no, <laughs> just focus on God, focus on the Holy Spirit, believe these things, and then you will become more like Christ. You're just a baby. And as babies grow, they become more like their parents. And so you, as a new creation, as a, being reborn, you're just, you're going to learn how to look more like your dad. And that was pretty impactful for me because I'm like, oh, I don't have to be perfect right now. I don't have to be perfect before I get this righteousness. I can grow in it. I can focus on it and uh, it'll be okay. So at that point, I felt like I got free. <laughs> I yeah. was like, January, I got free. Um, me and Lorraine were on this freedom train together. We were just like, oh yeah, this is so cool. It was fun. And she was becoming good friends with Serena. We were all just vibing out to this freedom stuff. But I, I remember there was a point where we were like, me and Lorraine were like, so we're free? I don't know. We were just like, are we free? But we were still figuring it out, right? But yeah, and I wasn't giving up some of my addictions because I was just like, I'm sure it'll work out. I just stopped focusing on it, right? I just stopped feeling shame and guilt about it. But I wasn't giving up things. I was... Hmm. But I wasn't defining like my performance and allowing that to give me shame anymore or guilt. I decided that I would believe that I was in, that I was new, and I would focus on that and renew my mind in those things and not focus on the sin like Connor told me. <laughs> I was like, I can do that and we'll see what happens. And yeah, so that was great. And then you guys came out. I decided to get baptized baptized that was that weekend right in the yeah. freezing water yeah i had never been baptized because i was like i'm not gonna Were your let... parents there for that yeah they came yeah awesome. i mean they had been pressuring me to get baptized i feel like probably my entire life but i didn't want to just get baptized because my dad told me to which is surprising but yeah so i never <laughs> got baptized but i got baptized that weekend you guys came out you did three-day event. It was really awesome. But at this point, I had been on the freedom train and I was like excited. And I was just like blowing people out of the water, you know, like a lot of people do. And my dad thought I was nuts. <laughs> he was like, this love reality thing. I don't know about it. He was not really pumped about it at all. Um, but um, it was really great. It was a good experience. Um, was awesome. It was. It was so cool. Then, I don't even know, that summer, trying to think what happened next. I was walking out this freedom thing for a while, and I started giving up the stuff, the bad stuff, throwing out all the paraphernalia, I guess you would call it. <laughs> throwing, out, throwing out thousands of dollars worth of, worth of things that were no longer necessary. And then Serena had moved to Chicago, I was like, maybe I should move to, to Chicago. So I ended up, she prayed about it. I prayed about it. We were talking a lot more. I moved to Chicago, lived with her for, yeah, I lived with her for about six months. It was so fun. We had the best time. It was like such a good roommate because we were both on the same freedom stuff. We were both on Bible studies. It was really good for me to have that influence in my life. And it was radically different from any way I've ever lived before. Right. Because I was pumped. And she was pumped. 
so I'm living with Serena and starting to listen to the Bible podcast. I'm listening to your podcast, just super involved in good community. And I, at that point I'd met Eddie and Jayla, Eddie would call me here and there. And it's just, it was great. Uh, it was also hard because I had moved away from that baby that I had raised for a while, but I was getting through it. <laughs> I was getting through it. Eddie was a baby. Me. Shout out to that baby. <laughs> I like how you just yeah. say the baby. <laughs> Her name was Mary. She was precious. Anyways, living with Serena, having a great time. We were like watching The Chosen and making banana ice cream and just like having the best time, right? Like besties. Oh. We never got to live together before. We never got to spend a lot of time together like this before because we were always in different places. Mm. And uh, yeah, and then we signed a lease for two year two, for two years in this house. We were in an apartment. We signed a lease for a house. And then next thing you know, Jonathan is... <laughs> Jonathan comes into the picture three months after I moved there. And the next thing you know, she's going to get married. And yeah, it was crazy because I was like, we had a plan. I was, we were supposed to be here for two years. I had a plan. I felt like it was, I had made good choices. It was going to be solid. And then it was like ripped out from under me because now we couldn't live there. Like she was going to move and uh, marry Jonathan. And I was like, what am I going to do? Right. Like, I just, I don't want to stay here if, you know, she's not going to be here because I'm going to get another roommate. And like, I just, this doesn't make sense. So it was tough for me to be honest because I was, I thought we had a plan and then a plan went south, but it was beautiful. It was really awesome to see their love story. And yeah, we both decided to move back because I missed my baby. <laughs> I miss my baby. She was getting married. The people that I had, the baby's parents were going to Europe for two months and they wanted me to come with them because they missed me. I moved back to Michigan. Serena moved back to Michigan, but separate places now. And I don't know what, what happened, but like I had been struggling a little bit here and there. Like I would have a behavior mishap and then I would go into secret place and I, I would figure it out and I'd be like, I'm still good. I'm still good. And then I might have another behavior mishap. And I was working through behavior things. And then when I got, I also had Serena there, which was great to bounce things off of and had it's a really great influence in my life. Yeah. It was awesome. And so then when I moved back to Michigan, I didn't really have that anymore. And which shouldn't have been my main source. Right. But I was, still working through the secret place thing. I was developing habits and trying to figure out how to hear God's voice. And did I hear it? I think I heard it. Yeah, I heard it. Okay. And I, I got back and then quickly being on my own again, the guy came into my life and I got distracted. And then, yeah, then I went to Europe for two months and in Europe, I had a pretty rough experience with the family I nannied for. It just didn't go how either of us expected. And they had expectations on me that I did not realize. So it was pretty an isolating experience because I'm in a foreign country. I don't know the language. I'm with people who are not treating me well for two months. <laughs> and there's a time difference. So I wasn't plugging into the Bible studies anymore. I wasn't talking to any of my community because they would wake up when it was already three o'clock in France and then they wouldn't really be available till I was already in bed 
So, like, it was, like, 11 o'clock when they'd be getting off of work. So, basically, the, I was just isolating. I was isolated and having a bad time. And then the guy that I had started seeing in the, the fall when I moved out with Serena, out of with Serena or whatever, he started being my primary influence of, like, encouragement. Because I had wasn't getting on the Bible studies. I wasn't talking to community. I was in a foreign country. Like, and then he was one of the only people that was consistently messaging me and calling me and checking up on me. And so, yeah, when I was in Europe for two months, I was struggling because I was fighting pretty much every day for like my rights with this family and trying to have balance and trying to not be taken advantage of. And then I was being influenced highly by this guy that was talking to me every day. And I was a super, in a super vulnerable place and I just attached onto this guy and I wasn't really spending time with God anymore. I don't know if I was like, I think I was frustrated because I, I think I started believing the lie that like Serena got a husband because hmm. she was better than me. Hmm. And it's, ah, I'm not going to cry again. But yeah, it sucked because I was like, She's been so good for so long and waited for four years praying for her husband. So, of course, she got a husband. <laughs> and I was still struggling with behavior here and there and had been so off the path for so long. I was like, I'm definitely not going to get that. Mm. And and being having that first row seat to that was so beautiful. But also, I think it just opened up a way for Satan to be like, but that's not for you. There's no way. You're not worthy. <laughs> and so I think there was resentment, like, for sure. And then being isolated and stuff, it just it was a perfect soil, in a way, for those lies to grow. And, uh, yeah, they grew. And my influence was this guy. He wasn't even a Christian. He was Muslim. So that was the whole thing. So I get back from Europe. I quit my job because... I knew that they weren't treating me the way that they should. And I move in with this guy, this Muslim guy. <laughs> because at that point, I had spent two months pretty much just falling in love with him over FaceTime and whatever. And move in with him. It's actually Ramadan as soon as I move in, which means he's holier than thou during that time, right? You follow all the rules in Islam culture during Ramadan at a higher standard than you generally do. You fast all day and things like that. I was there for that whole thing. And I thought, wow, he's so devout. He's really, he's really into this. This is, this is it for him. So maybe I should look into this. So I started looking into Islam and I started doubting all my Christianity because I was like, maybe Jesus wasn't real. <laughs> and it's crazy. I just went down this rabbit hole. of I got to figure out the truth here because if I'm, if I was wrong, I need to be for sure. So it was a rabbit hole and he was also not the greatest person. So I was not in a good situation. Like he was, there was a, a lot of emotional abuse there and it was tough, but I was in such a vulnerable place from that experience in Europe that I think I just, I was just, yeah, I was just an easy target for him. So, and he was influencing me, trying to cut me off from my friends. He, d he didn't want me to be friends with Lorraine. He didn't want me to be friends with Serena. Any of my good friends, he did. He was like, 
no, like they're bad for you. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Can't you see it? They're, they're terrible for you. Can you believe she said this to you? And so I was disconnecting from my friends when I got back. I wasn't in the same town as my friends. And this guy was basically isolating me even further. And mm. it got real bad. And so th- three months of that, and I realize now that he has a lot of, he's what you would categorize as a narcissist and love bombing me while I'm in Europe, putting all this effort and all this great stuff in t- while I'm in Europe. And then as soon as I was super attached to him, it was just like switched up the game. When Ramadan was over, switched up the game. He was a completely different person um, in a bad way. So, but that point I was already so attached to him, right? I was living there. I was attached to him and I was like, okay, I guess I got to make this work. So two months of that. And then um, I realized I was losing myself completely. I didn't know what I believed in. I didn't have, I wasn't spending time with my friends. I didn't have any values. I just was allowing myself to accept things that he wanted me to accept. Um, Was freedom somewhere in the background? Was it in the back of your mind? This is a thing that I had really believed for a while, what yeah. is this thing changing? Are the truths of those things changing? Are they not? Yeah, yeah. Explain that. I think what it was is that I just started believing that it was too good to be true because I started believing that, oh, they just talk a good talk. They just say, they just speak truth over things. They don't actually really help people with their problems, right? Like they like speaking truth is not good enough. Like we need to really figure out how to be better or how to figure out our problems and how to get through things. And I was like, it's just, I convinced myself that all that experience was just fluffy. I would say that a lot. I was like, it was just fluffy, Hmm. but it didn't actually solve any problems because I didn't get anything that I wanted. Right. I, I think after seeing Serena get married, I was like, it's not going to happen for me. It must just be a bunch of fluffy talking, saying, speak truth over it and move on. And I didn't feel like people were really actually addressing the issues. Because I remember at one point they were like, you need to choose to believe it. I think Eddie said to me, like, you have to believe even if you don't know all the answers. Choose to believe without all the answers. And this guy was like, no, you need to find the answers. Like, why would you ever believe something without understanding it come fully? And so I just started thinking that like, the whole freedom thing was just a fluffy way of living, but wasn't actual, actually real. And I thought I'd just convince myself that, I don't know. Like We were really that. praying for you during this time. <laughs> we were because it's not like we're blind or we know when, oh, like, where's Emily Ann? And I would ask... <laughs> Lorraine and I asked Serena and I think I messaged you one time I think <laughs> yeah. if I go back in my phone you and uh, I both messaged me it, and it was oh, let me see if I can find no it. I literally read it last night Richard I did not reply <laughs> I think you were just like hey what's up and I just didn't reply I remember even when I lived with Serena towards the end of us moving out you tried calling me and I never called you back yeah, I I just wanted to know if you're... Because oh, I knew what was going on. I knew that there was some lies, some stuff going on. But it was... You were in a tough spot. Yeah. 
you definitely reached out. Eddie reached out and I just ignored, ignored it because I was like, they're just going to speak truth or say they're speaking truth over me and they're going to tell me to believe it and it's going to be fluffy and it's not going to do anything. <laughs> what was this? This was in, this was in 2021. Is it June? We have one in August. Do we have one in June? Oh yeah. No, August. August makes I makes sense. I remember you were. So this would be before I was in Europe. This was like I think you were probably reaching out because what was going on with Serena and Jonathan, and it probably would have been good for me to call you. But (laughs) yeah, I said I think I need someone to testify. I think it's you, and you said I don't think it's me. I'm a hot mess. So that was when I was, yeah, that's when I was probably struggling with like behavior. Like I was living with Serena and I had gone downtown and I had slept with somebody that I, that was, it was crazy. And I was like, oh no, this isn't real. Like I'm still doing bad stuff. And And, and I want to, I want to talk about that. I just, I'm trying to find this thing. I don't know. There's so many social media things that we speak on. Oh, is it this or is this or this one? But here's the thing. (laughs) Sometimes people, they'll talk about freedom and and they'll say, well, what happens if, or not if, someone actually said when you guys mess up because you're going to mess up. What's going to happen when one of you guys messes up? And if you or I mess up, Emily, does that mean that the Bible doesn't say what it says? Does that mean... That Romans 6 doesn't exist, or Colossians 3 doesn't exist, or 2 Corinthians 5 doesn't exist. It doesn't mean any of those things. It might mean that we were not living by it. It probably for sure. But it like the times that I have messed up in my life, and here's a spoiler alert. While walking in freedom or understanding the gospel, I have lived from a place where I've just understood it and it hasn't been like ministered to me from the secret place. It's been like, oh, I've just, because I'm teaching it and it's come from like a head knowledge and not from intimacy with my father. And I have messed up, but the times I've messed up have not come from because I was being like living from secret place. The times I've messed up is because I fell back into a former pattern and I had years of feeling sorry for myself when stuff would come up. And so nobody, and I've said this a lot, nobody has to teach me how to feel sorry for myself. I know how to feel sorry for myself. It's locked in. And in the same way, nobody has to teach you how to, whatever the root is, to feel less valuable to feel like you're not enough. No one has to say, hey, Emily, this is how, if you want to feel not enough, this is how you can do it. Or if you want to feel like you don't matter, if you want to feel like you don't have value, you should do it like this. No, that's locked in. You know how to do that. And But it isn't those times that you've fallen. It isn't because the Bible doesn't say what it says. It's because there had been a lie, a distraction, or a former pattern that was so easy for you to fall into. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I think the desire, the desire to 
be validated and affirmed by a guy as was a, a very oiled machine. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't necessarily know what that looked like in freedom. And and maybe I saw and then I saw it, right? Then I saw it right in front of my face with Serena and Jonathan. And then I was like, that doesn't seem realistic. But yeah, so I was figuring that out. Definitely did not figure it out for a while. And that's why I think I fell back into a pattern of old. I was in a vulnerable state. I didn't root myself in the truth. I let a lie fester and grow and slippery slope when because I didn't renew my mind and the truth. And I think the further away that you get from renewing your mind, the more it just feels maybe not real or you convince yourself that it wasn't real. And if you're not going, if I wasn't going back into my secret place notes and reading it anymore, I was like, put that notebook away. <laughs> I wasn't reading the books, the good books I was reading. Like I was not putting it's any the addictions good. To like, we we're talking about addictions. I've had an addiction to feeling sorry for myself. And I've had a di- an addiction to nostalgia, meaning like that the past was better in my mind than it, whatever it was. And so I used to fantasize about the past on if I could change this or if I could do that. And I would spend all my mind, like my, the time, like we we're constantly thinking and whatever our mind is set on is what's going to become stronger. And so yeah. if you're fantasizing about a past that you wish you could change or fantasizing about this or fantasizing about that, then like you, you get like, relief or you get some kind of reward from it then you can't live in truth and so i had to break my addiction to nostalgia i had to break my addiction to feeling sorry for myself so that i could and that addiction gets broken by setting your mind in things above where christ is hidden or christ is seated at the right hand of god um yeah yeah and i think like me stepping away from spending time with God, like if you stop investing into a relationship with anybody, um, you know, and just if I stop investing into a friendship, it's not going to be on my mind a lot. It's just like fizzles out. If I stop investing in now, does God stop pursuing me? No, obviously, because there's more to this story. You guys were praying for me, like Serena, Lorraine, everybody was worried about me like God was, and, and God pursues us through other people and through personally too so it's like even though I wasn't committed to the to God like God was still committed to me but you but weren't committed because of a lie yeah like you're a sincere person you've always been you've, you've wanted truth and so what was true during that whole time is God still felt the same exact way about you yeah. And he's just loving you. Even though I was literally questioning the existence of Jesus. Like, <laughs> I was reading a book about the fact that Jesus was not the son of God. Like, it was crazy. And I was definitely just trying to figure out a way to make it not real so that I could maybe find more comfort in the situation I was in. Mercy. Got got out of that. Now I'm in this other situation. Let me find a way to make it comfortable. Let me find a way to make my own rogue behavior 
comfortable for me mentally, right? I had to figure out a way to sit with this like path of deterring from the truth. I had to figure out a way to make that true, that reality true to me in my heart. Because yeah, I did have a great experience in freedom. I did have a, a great year. Now that I wasn't in that, I, I was trying really hard to convince myself that all of that was false and putting a lot of effort into that. <laughs> and you could have done it. And that's why not, this is, just, this is a miracle what we're talking about here. Cause you could have done it. There, there's nothing, it wasn't set in stone that you were going to see through the lies. It wasn't, but we are, on the Death of Life podcast. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> and I was you have like seen this son. thing for to be true. Yeah. And the I think the prodigal son was like, peace out, dad. I'm going to go do my own thing and be rogue and be on my own adventure. And I'm sure that there was probably times where he was a citizen of the other place, right? That he was trying to figure out how to make that comfortable. And then eventually he realized that wasn't comfortable. And then he's, I got to go back home. That was where it was good. There was a lot of inner turmoil. Yeah, just trying to make sense of learning about this different religion, learning about Islam, being in a relationship with this guy, not knowing if Jesus is real anymore. But at the root core of me, I was like, yeah, the reason why I was trying was so hard because I knew deep down that it was true. Hmm. But me and my whole independent, let me figure it out for myself, I just went into that pattern of behavior. Let me just go so far into things for myself that this God thing doesn't matter anymore. So ended up not going well for me. Like that relationship was awful. Like I pretty much lost, I felt like I lost myself. But when I look back at my journal, I still prayed a little bit. Like it wasn't that I didn't believe there was a God. I just didn't know if what the right religion was. I was like, there's still God, whether it's, Allah or God, <laughs> like there's still God up there. I just don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. So I still prayed and, but it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't on the forefront of my mind. So anyways, the relationship ended because I felt like I lost myself. I visited my friends here in Chicago. They asked me to go to a wedding with them to watch their kids at the wedding. And they're strong Christians. I told them about this relationship I was in. They're like, sounds like a lot of red flags. They loved me and were very kind and just helped me realize things I wasn't seeing with this relationship. And so I went back, realized a lot of things, ended the relationship and they had already asked me to come with them on a trip. So I came with these friends here in Chicago. And at that point I was like, maybe I should just live with them for a while. Cause they're like, if you want to nanny our kids for the summer, you totally can. And I was like, maybe I should do that because I don't have anywhere to go. I, pretty much don't have any friends because I had burnt bridges, tried to burn bridges with Serena and Lorraine. Lorraine was not going to let me burn that bridge. Neither was Serena, but <laughs> I was trying to. I was like, no. And so came here, started nannying in Chicago. Great, safe place for me, right? Like good people, good parents, good marriage, Christian household. And at this point, I still was like, I don't really believe in this Christian stuff. I don't think anymore, but it's a good environment for me a safe place. And, uh, <laughs> I ended up staying longer than the summer. 
obviously it's been over a year now that I'm still here. We ended up, um, they ended up saying you could, you can live here as long as you want. I was having a great time. So I decided to keep living here and we had checked, checked in over the last year and it all was going great. But I had started dating a little bit like here and there online. And then the crate, the thing that changed everything is my dating wasn't going Hey, Gospel Junkies, Justin here, and I have some good, good news. If you've been a fan of the podcast for any length of time, you've probably heard mention of this thing called Wave One, and we're bringing it back. Here are the details. August 18 to 25, we will be hosting a completely digital Wave One experience, the original Free From Sin series with the one and only Jonathan Leonardo. Every single night at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, we will be hosting a live Free From Sin Wave 1 event, and it's all happening, you guessed it, yes, for free. So book your calendars, tell your friends, because the Holy Spirit is on the move. The event will be invite-only, which means if you want the link, you need to do this one step. Text the words WAVE1 to 808-204-4372. That's W-A-V-E, the number one to 808-204-4372 in order to reserve your spot. If you have a friend that needs good gospel, this event is for them. Who knows, you inviting them to wave one might be the starting point for a future DTL episode. So spread the word and I'll see you there. The crate, the thing that changed everything is my dating wasn't going good, right? Like I've dated a couple people, wasn't going that great. But I was dating better than I used to. I was really trying to find a good person, like a really solid value-based person. But then I went to Serena and Jonathan's wedding because they had their wedding a year after their Mm -hmm. actual marriage. And I went to her wedding and I just was blown away. Everything that I wanted was right in my face. I was like, this is what I want. I want a man that loves me like this. I want a marriage like this. It was just so beautiful. And yeah, it was a wonderful wedding. And I was around Christian and Angie and Nicholas and other people that were in the community that I was that I knew from going on the Bible studies. And it was just so good. And their vows were beautiful. It just everything was beautiful. The praise was beautiful. It was just like after everything I'd been through the last year. I was like, this is it. This is good. Like, This feels good. This is good. This is pure. This is holy. I want this in my life. This is what I remember. This was exactly what I remembered feeling before when I was in freedom. And I'm like, this is too good. I need to reevaluate. <laughs> mm-hmm. My life the last year had not been good. I literally got home from that wedding I'm trying to remember what I wrote down. Okay, yeah, I got home from the wedding. And I was like, okay, something's got to change. Something's got to give here because this is what I want. I want a marriage like this. And I started just choosing to believe maybe it's possible again, right? Maybe it's possible. And I wrote down, because it was obviously still questioning things. I was like, is believing in something, even if it's not right, better than believing in nothing? And I kept putting this question in my mind. I wrote down a pro and cons list to believe in the gospel. <laughs> what do you have on there? Is it good stuff? It's good. It says, it says, believe in the gospel pros. Are there any long-term cons? 
<laughs> and I said, I was happier when I was choosing to believe. I had more hope, better community, excitement, peace, wasn't worrying. And that's what I wrote down. Any cons? No, I, I didn't write any down. <laughs> Your pros and cons list are like, ah, it's just good. <laughs> <laughs> literally. And then I just prayed and told God I had what I experienced at the wedding and that I wanted that. And then it says in my notes, start listening to the Death's Life podcast again. <laughs> Turn off the noise. Um, the the shows and the distractions and start listening to those things. And then I wrote at the end, I was, I said, even when I'm not committed to the plan, God is committed to me. I don't know where that came from, but yeah, wrote the pros out. was like, I was, that's so beautiful. (laughs) No cons. I didn't get to the cons. No, that that line that you just wrote, even when I'm not committed to the plan, God is committed to me. Yeah. That was, that's how I felt at that point. Because I was not committed to the plan, right? I was even just so far. But I felt like God was still pursuing me or calling me back in, right? Through these people, through this marriage. Especially because I had felt so unworthy. And that's where the lie started, right? At the beginning of seeing them get dating and then seeing their beautiful marriage. And it was just like full circle. Nope, this is for me. If it can happen to her, it can happen to me. And yeah, all the gospel pros and... Then, crazy thing is, the day after that, two or two days later, at the wedding, Nicholas told me, he was like, I was like, where's Eddie and Jayla? And Nicholas was like, they moved to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? I thought they were going to be here. And I was like, everyone's moving to Hawaii. He's maybe you. And I was like, no, I'm not going to Hawaii. Then two days later, I text Eddie, because Eddie had reached out to me and I ignored, I had ignored him, right? I text him and I was like, Hey, I heard you're moving to Hawaii or you moved to Hawaii. Hope you're doing well. And he literally was like, yeah, when are you coming to visit? Granted, I had not talked to Eddie for a long time and I had ignored him. And I was like, <laughs> why are you seriously asking me when I'm going to come to visit? And I asked him why. And he's like, because we love you and we would, lo- we would love to hang out with you and show you all the cool things about Hawaii, which was crazy to me because I was like, I've been out of this community for a while, like a year now. And more than a year, right? Like a year and a couple months. Like, why would they want me to visit? And, but I went with it. I was like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah. I looked up flights that night, found some. Hey, what about this date? And he's like, okay, cool. That works. Checked with Jayla. And then I talked to my bosses and I was like, hey, can we make this work? I have this opportunity to go to Hawaii. And then they did. They made it happen for me. It was great. I literally flew to Hawaii two or three weeks later after Serena's wedding. Because I was desperate at that point. I was like, I have to get community back in my life. Community is just so important for me. It's just a big part of my experience, I felt, was having Christian people in my life that are encouraging, holding me accountable, being there for me, and vice versa. Like I wanted to be able to have that in my life. So <laughs> I fly to Hawaii. I have a great time. Hang out with Jayla pretty much the whole time. Eddie was there too, but... Jayla doesn't work right now, so she's homeschooling the kids. And we had a great, awesome time. And I asked her a few questions about hearing the Holy Spirit. And it was just great. But when Eddie picked me up at the airport, he was like, so where have you been? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I don't know. A lot of places. But 
I want to choose to believe this because there's this is the best thing out there. And it has created the most peace in my life, and I want peace. I remember how I felt when I had it. I want it back, so I'm just going to go believe this. Even if maybe I don't have all the answers, I'm just going to believe it. Which is exactly what I was saying. That was BS a few months earlier. I was like, I need all the answers. If I don't have all the answers, I can't believe this. So I just switched it up, and I was like, I don't even need the answers. I'm just going to believe this because my life has better fruit when I believe this. <laughs> and I'm happier, healthier, that this is it. This is the thing I need to believe. So he was like, okay, glad you're back. <laughs> he said, we're here for you. And that was literally like all we, it was maybe a 10 minute conversation. I cried and I was like, I don't know, but I'm back. I want this. And then we had a great time. Was there any lie that you couldn't come back? Like the, the time you were away, like, that you had spent so much, was there anything like, I can't go back because that's embarrassing or I can't go, was there anything like that pressing on you? No. I, the, the, the lie was fear that I was going to have to, yeah, burn my way back in. But I think when I reached out to Eddie and his first sentence that he said was like, hi, so glad to hear from you. You made my day. When are you coming to visit? There was, that was the first response back to me after I said, hi, how are you? You're in Hawaii. I think that was big for me because I'm like, oh my gosh, he does not care. He does not care that I was gone, <laughs> like piecing out, doing whatever. He like really wants me to visit and him and JLo are inviting me here. And so I think that there was yes fear there of I'm going to have to explain myself. I'm going to have to prove to people that, or explain why I was gone, but I also knew that this was a very loving community and they had loved me before and I didn't think the love would stop. It was just fear of having to explain it, but I didn't really have to. He's just like, where you been? And he's okay, glad you're back. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> you're like, I'm afraid that I'll, I'll have to explain it. So let me go on the Death Alive podcast and explain the whole thing for. I know. Yeah, I know. That's why when you hit me up the other day and you're like, are you ready? It was like, Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't know if you knew what I was talking about, but then I found out quickly that you did when you were like... What else would you be saying that for? I was like, oh, no. And a couple days late, earlier, I had just hung out with Serena and Jonathan, and I was like, if I ever go on the podcast, like, I've been so rogue, and now I'm so redeemed. Like, rogue to redemption is so good. And we were all vibing and watching The Chosen and hanging out at the beach. It was a great time. But so I guess I spoke that into existence a little bit but <laughs> my fault but yeah so after Hawaii I just started getting back into it getting on the bible studies again getting into secret place filling my mind with good stuff yeah just getting back into the swing of things spending time with God journaling my prayers and surrendering things like surrendering like Jayla said something to me in Hawaii we prayed and asked for a lie and one of my lies that I was still believing was like striving. Like I was always striving to try to independently accomplish things and do it on my own. And just the last six months, I've just been like letting it go. Hmm. Like I'm going to do things. I'm going to do things that bring me joy and I'm not going to worry about it anymore. I'm going to watercolor paint. I'm going to go to the beach. I'm going to not worry about a career as much, you know, just be more present and get my relationship with God 
down and find my joy in the secret place, find my joy in community, find my be fulfilled by God and not fulfilled by personal accomplishments or a plan and just operate in God's will, which is to have Christ living in like Christ living in my heart and being fruitful and abiding in me, you know, abiding in a place that I already am, right? Like I'm already there. So that's why I can abide and stay there and renew my mind. So that's what I've been doing. And finally surrendered like all my dating. Like I will not be dating. Yeah, I'm just not gonna do it anymore. I'm not gonna worry about finding a husband. I've surrendered it. I don't want to do any of it on my own. Hmm. Literally don't want to do a thing. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to let it be, you know? Not going to go on dating apps. I'm not doing that. Not going to go on dates. Not going to even entertain anybody who's not in the same faith as me. People have tried setting me up with different guys. And I'm like, are they a Christian? Are they strong? Do they have a relationship with God? And they're like, no, but that's not. Maybe you guys can grow in that. No. <laughs> I see that there's things that God, the Bible and God says, maybe don't do that because it's just not good for me, right? It's not good. It's not going to create good in my life. And I've literally done all the things <laughs> and it created destruction and chaos and pain. So now I'm like, oh, there's a reason why God says to not be sexually immoral is because it was created for one beautiful purpose and it's it has power and it'll hurt you if you misuse this gift not because god is like trying to be rolling god no i don't want you to have this until you do it my way it's no he created these he created us he created gifts for us and if we wait and use those gifts the way that he created them that's that's the best that's the best for us in any other way is just not it. It's not going to bear good fruit in your life. And I've found that out the hard way. I'm one of those people who do things the hard way a lot of the time and whatever, it comes back around and I get the lesson. But yeah, now I'm just like, yeah, I'm so good. I'm not doing things my way. <laughs> you know what? The greatest sinners make the greatest righteous people. They really do. <laughs> They really do, because those who are forgiven much love much. And Emily, from your story, you've seen, you've walked on the wild side and, and you've seen all the world has to offer, and it does not deliver on its promises. It, it, it never has. And so because of that, you're, you make the greatest righteous person, because how forgiven you are and how loved you are. Yeah, and how powerful that is. Like you ne you never are too far gone. Right? Even if you stumble, question things, God is still committed to you, to me. Are you a son or a slave? You're a son. Like you're always a son. <sighs> it's so good. It is really so good and it's great to just be able to rest in that instead of striving for my own <laughs> for so long. And coming up empty-handed for so long, right? Now I can just rest and be like, it's all good. God, God, you got it. I don't have to worry about it anymore. Don't have to worry about personal, like, when you're surrendered, it doesn't matter who gets the credit, right? You don't need the credit anymore. 
you know, even pride, even in this freedom this time, right? I still realized I had pride and God, the Holy Spirit helped me work through that. Let that pride go. It's okay, no, you don't, you don't need to make decisions to try to catch up to other people. You're good. Just rest. Stop striving. Chill. And enjoy your life and enjoy what you can do in the present moment. And if you don't need a husband to be happy, you don't need performance to be happy. You literally get to be happy every moment of your life because you have Jesus in your heart. Woo! I love it. You're a testimony to me. You're a, a blessing to all of us. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Yeah. Thanks for asking me. Time I lay it down, you'll take it. Mm -hmm. I feel it.